Welcome on in. It is Friday, Football Friday. Way excited. DJ and PK coming at you. I'm PK. DJ will be joining us here in the next segment. Right now, we're going to talk some BYU football. They got a huge game against Boise. And then the Utes have ASU and the Aggies have Nevada. And is Jaron Hall going to play? He practiced early in this week. So we're going to let you hear from the people who are involved with the offense. Starting it off with the guy who got some playing time at the end of the last game, Baylor Romney. Here's Baylor Romney from practice. So how has your career sort of just... It felt like it just got a huge bolt and just jump-started, and you got your uh, first sort of plays last week, and then now this week you're still sort of up in the air as to who's going to start. How would you describe just your transition to where you've gotten to now? Um, I mean, it, it hasn't been anything quick. I mean, I've been working for you know years since I got back from my mission, uh, just preparing for one of my opportunity when my, when my mama would come. And, you know, I still don't know what's going to happen on Saturday, but I'm going to be preparing um, like I'm going to be starting the game. How difficult or awkward is that to, as of Wednesday, not know if you'll be starting on Saturday? Um, I wouldn't say it's awkward for this position, just knowing the skill level that this, this team has at the quarterback level. Um, and I think that it definitely there's some competition there so that we can improve and everybody gets their minds ready for the game um, for Saturday. Did you know... Well, uh, if Jaron were to go down, that it would be you, or when did you kind of know that you'd be? Um, I wasn't even too sure until until he went down, until you know, the middle of the game. Out. They called my number. Yeah. How do you feel you did on Saturday? Um, I mean, we didn't come out with the win, so I mean, I'm not too happy with my performance. We did, we were definitely in two situations where we could have scored in the red zone late in the game. Um, so you know, our goal was to win, and we didn't get that done. You hooked up with your brother pretty nicely on the last drive a couple of times. Is that just muscle memory kind of kicking in with him, or, or was he uh, just open there? Or? I mean, definitely a little backyard football came into play there. Um, I didn't even know that I threw to him until after the play, though. But, um, I mean, yeah, we've been working on that all off season since we were you know, little kids. How cool is it to finally get into, the, into an actual game, a live college football game? Because it's been a minute since you two have played together, yeah. too. Yeah, well, we actually never played together in high school. It's been since Little League that we've actually played together. Um, but playing my first college game was definitely exciting, something I'll never forget. Um, I mean, it was awesome. That's why we came here to BYU together was to play with each other. So it was definitely cool to see that dream come true this past Saturday. What's it like talking with Jaron? Because you guys were both put in similar situations. You guys have been working together for a long time. Yeah. So what's that, you know, that dynamic like right now as you guys are both kind of seeing who's going to be quarterback next week? And um, I mean, me and Jaron, we're really good friends. You know, we, we hung out all off season, worked all off season together. And we got really close to doing that. So just supporting each other in our different roles right now. Um, just helping each other out through our, our struggles and practices has been uh, really good for both of our development. How much do you guys take on yourself in the sense of you want to finish the drives? And I mean, that's the goal yeah. of the offense every time. How much do you feel like the pressure needs to be on the quarterback yeah. to make that happen? I mean, it's definitely the quarterback's responsibility to move the ball and get the team to be able to move the ball down the field. So a lot of that weight is on our shoulders if we don't um, end up scoring on a drive. 
for you? A walk-on? Yeah, I still prefer walk-on. Uh-huh. Are you roommates with your brothers? No, I'm married, so I'm living with my wife right now. I sure hope so. <laughs> he's, he's, over, he's over quite a bit, but not roommates. <laughs> so when did you get married? Um, almost two years ago. Oh. Yeah. So before you came here? Uh, right before I came here, yeah. See over there just mostly playing FIFA at your place? Or? Yeah, video games, yeah, hanging out. <laughs> How would you describe yourself to BYU fans that maybe don't know a lot about you, just know what they saw the other day? Um, I don't have too many words to say about that. No, I'm just going to work and be ready for another opportunity whenever that comes my way. And, you know, they can expect me to be ready. You describe yourself as a man of few words. Man of few words. I love that. Yep. Let's go with that. That was quarterback Baylor Romney. Next, Jaron Hall. If he's cleared, he's playing. I think he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. We'll see how that plays out. Here's Jaron Hall. What was it like to get your number called, get your first career start, and then suffer concussion symptoms? That's just that's football. I wasn't worried about you know anything other than going out and you know doing my best to execute uh, to win a ball game. You know, stuff happens. That's that's the game and. You know, we know it's going to happen, so you just kind of plan accordingly and just hope that you will be healthy again. And today was your first practice back? Um, no, first full practice back. How did it feel? No, I was saying no to shit. Yeah, out there, you know, no, I was saying because I was like, oh, you can't really control, so we'll just take it a day at a time and we'll see how it goes. Graham said he couldn't divulge as to who would be starting Saturday, but would you feel confident either being back healthy or handing off the ball to Yeah, I'll just, just, just trust, you know, trust the, the trainers to you know, help me along the process of getting back. But whatever happens, if Baylor's a guy and he gets a number call, Fully confident. You know, I've been with him for years now. I, I love, him, love him very much. I know he'll you know, do a good job if it's his number this week. Have you cleared protocol? Uh, still working on it day by day. What's, what was it like watching Baylor get some time actually in a game? You were just there in that same circumstance. Yeah, so, yeah I was in the locker room, so I didn't get to you know, watch it at all. But right. you know, uh, watching the film after, he did good. You know, I've, I've been in that situation before, coming at the end, and it's not a fun one to be in, but it's just fun to play a game, and he did well. So, What's, what's the timeline you've been given to, to clear protocols? Uh, so really no timeline. It's just a matter of day-by-day diagnosing the symptoms. If there's no symptoms on a day and you're able to practice, then that's kind of how it is now. Is that what protocol is? You got to pass. You got to be free of symptoms. Is yeah, yeah, exactly. What people say. Yeah. What did you? Uh, how did you assess your game? You know that, that uh, against South Florida. Uh, we got to. You know, we got to win ball games. That's all it comes down to. So now we're just focused on you know moving on to Boise State and uh, that's that. Coach said that you've been working red zone stuff to you know try and finish drives better. What have you been doing? What does it take to to now you know make that show up on the field? Yeah, every, all eleven guys got to execute, especially you know in the red zone. It gets tighter. You got to be more and more precise with with all you're doing so that's all all it is you know getting more reps at it and making sure we're all you know, squared away on the game plan you, you were sacked the, the first quarter and then you weren't i don't think you were sacked after that what what did you kind of learn or was it just getting in a groove what kind of yeah you just you got to be able to you know speed of the game having to feel for it and getting through your reads quickly and Know, when you have to get it out of bounds so you know it's just a feel for the game and understanding that you know they're coming at you full speed so you got to get to your reads quick and you know that's that's, that's a matter of fact there as you look at Boise's defense on film what do you what stands out uh you know they're great defense they're well coached um you know so we're just gonna you know try to attack what we can and um you know trust in our game plan you know they're you know they're good athletes they love to disguise their their coverages so you know, we'll do our best in the film to, to kind of get a feel for them and, and get something dialed up that's Jaron Hall now, the offensive coordinator, the grand poobah, Jeff Grimes. Hear what he has to say from practice earlier this week. Anything to announce as far as who will start a quarterback Saturday? Uh, Jaron been cleared or anything? 
No, neither way. Whether he practiced today, they all practiced, all three got reps, and that's that's all that, that we would like to divulge at this point. What do you see when you break down the, the red zone stuff, and, and what's, what's been the problems there? Um, individual mistakes. Um, just, uh, you know, in the games where we've made those plays, um, every guy has done his job, and, and at times... Um, we haven't done that, and in the past two games, we've we've moved the ball well. We're we're averaging way more yards than we did at this point last year with a more challenging schedule. Um, but in the games that we've lost, one of two things existed: either turnovers, which was the first two losses, or movement in the open field, and then no conversion in the in the red zone when we didn't turn the football over. And and it's not any one thing. I wish it was. If it was one thing, if it was just the protection or just the quarterback play or just the receivers or the running backs or any one thing that would be a lot easier to correct um, but it's a, it's a group thing and so it'll take a, a collective group effort to get it fixed. So how are you addressing that then as far as to, to make those, those corrections across the board? Yeah so more than anything we're trying to address individual accountability and make sure players understand when they make a mistake that it really matters that it's not just okay and let's move on to the next play and then the second thing is we're spending a little bit more time working on the red zone and, and paying special attention to it. You've yeah, done a number of offensive linemen here. Is this going to test your depth? you feel like you have developed enough guys to hold up? You never have enough offensive linemen, and we certainly don't yet, but we're going to put the best group we have on the field, and, and I believe those guys will, will give us everything that they've got, and it'll be uh, it'll be a good opportunity to, to see what they're made of, certainly against this defense. You saw Schof coming at right tackle, even though it had Harris the chance with his back. Was there no reason to for that, or is that just a just felt like he was more ready at the moment, and then Harris played when he went down. So they both played, and they both they both um, are possibilities moving forward. We saw you go under center a little bit in the red zone. Can that be a part of the solution what Jared asked about in terms of conversions more? Maybe. I wouldn't rule out anything, but our problems have nothing to do with us being under center or in the gun. What's your assessment of Baylor and how he did? I think he I think he did well given the situation that he was put in, an incredibly tough position. Um, and I think he certainly showed that he's made of the right stuff. Um, however, I know he'd like to have a couple of those, a couple of those opportunities back. And and he like, like most of the rest of our players, um, had had a play or two that if he had chosen to do something differently, it might have made a difference in the game. Um, but I'm certainly not saying it was, it was, it was um, any more him than anyone else. It was less him because he played just at the end. But I thought, given the situation, he did he did a good job. How's the collective health of the offense after six games? Um, not good enough, but um, we're we're hoping to uh, get some young guys ready to play, and and they've certainly taken a lot of reps this week, and we'll see where we're at on game day. We still got a couple guys that are questionable. Philosophically, do you like this new redshirt rule where you can play these guys in up to four games, but keep that year? Yeah, absolutely. It gives you an opportunity for those guys to play when you need them. That was BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. Coming up next, DJ and I, we're going to do some Utah talk now. We've got an opportunity to interview Lecky Fotu, the stud defensive lineman, number 99, on his way to the NFL, ready to wreak havoc, as Majerus would say, on ASU's offense, and I think that's going to be accomplished. Stay with us. We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in, 97.5-1280 The Zone. It is Friday. Yeah, sweet. October 18th. An opportunity to meet with me, PK. I will be out at Murdoch Hyundai. I'm here this morning. Come see us. 4646 South State Street. Obviously in Murray. Has some gear. Be talking football for sure. Frank Dolce is going to be joining us right at the nine eight o'clock hour. Eight o'clock, he'll be coming over, stopping by at Hyundai, Hyundai Murdoch Hyundai, forty six forty six South State Street in Murray. Right now, DJ and I we had a great opportunity to visit with Lecky Fotu, the massive mammoth BYU, or BYU Utah defensive end, who is. A great player, great interview, great kid, humble background, appreciates what he has, came back to school to improve his NFL stock, and I believe he's doing just that. Here we are, earlier this week, DJ and myself talking to Utah defensive lineman Lecky Fotu. We are with one of the stars of the Utah defensive line, and he's already given me a look when I say that. He's looking away. Mr. Fotu, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? <laughs> Do you like being referred to as one of the stars of the line? Uh... No, I, I I believe everybody, you know, should should get that name. Yes, sir. <laughs> but yeah, you got it because you listen to coaches and they all talk about number ninety nine, the dude, the big dude, and the end, the guy with the long hair, and all that. Uh, is there a sense of responsibility that comes with being a marked man, knowing that just about every offensive line is looking out to make sure they know where you are at all times? Um, I believe so. Um, you know, going into each game, I. Kind of know, you know, if, if the O line is, you know, scheme is, you know, trying to, you know, say trying to take me out, or you know, um, my my job is to, you know, take up as much guys, so our backers can look yeah. clean and you know make the play. You know, as, as long as they make the play in the backfield, you know, I'm 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 good with that, you know, and for sure get you know come out with a w but yeah what percentage of the time do you think you get double teamed how often is it two guys on you right from the snap um especially this year i i, I want to say pretty often um you know but at the same time you know that that leaves other guys you know with one-on-ones and um i think that's a good thing you know, that i try to eat up those two or three guys and you know john or, or brad has that one-on-one and you know hopefully they make the play so when you're getting that two-on-one against you is that a combination of other offensive linemen is it a tight end or is it a running back or is it all of the above uh mostly the the guard and center uh-huh. or the the guard and tackle that, that usually does that or so guys the, your size yeah guys my size or the you know the, the running back will come out uh, come down you know creep down and you know do a little tip block here and there or the tight end but mostly but you the, just swat him away like a fly right I try to, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So, how how long were you playing before you started getting that kind of treatment? How long did it build take to build that rep with the other team's defensive coordinator? Um, I want to say, I believe my my sophomore year. I think that's when you know coaches took the recognition of me because um, I, I had more playing time my my sophomore year. 
and then you know coming back or going into my junior year, um, I think I think that's when teams you know knew uh, more about me and you know, the the way I play. How long or how how hard or no? How long can you go say play wise before you need a rest? Um, I want to say probably like eight or nine plays. You know, I I, I can go um, without you know having a sub in. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think I think that's on you know depends on the drives in the game, but. I think around eight or nine. So how does that work? They they know you've been in there that many consecutive plays. Do you tell them, or do you rely on them to pull you out? Um, it just depends on you know our, our coach. Um, he sees the way we we react in the game, mm-hmm. uh, especially on a long drive. Um, he knows when we're tired, so he he try to keep us keep us in uh, as long as he can. You know uh, throughout the drive, to try to you know stop the offense momentum. Um, and then, you know, once he feels like it's the right time to, to pull us out, then he'll pull us and out. And then how long do you stay out? Uh, probably like three, three plays. Three ready four, to go? And ready to go back in. Kyle Winningham's talked about how, you know, the best teams have veteran leadership and the young guys set the tone for the, or the old guys set the tone for the young guys. When you were a young guy, was there someone or maybe more than one guy who kind of brought you along and this is how you D-linemen do it and this is how you're going to get to where we are and this is what you're going to do when you're a senior? Yes, sir. Um, the seniors my, my freshman year were uh, Bassoni, uh, Tassini, and uh, the other guys were uh, uh, Filippo and uh, Lowell. So, you know, those three guys, my freshman year, you know, I looked up to them uh, a lot, and uh, they helped me a lot with my game. Um, going into my sophomore, junior year, uh, especially Filippo and uh, Lowell, uh, they helped me a ton with my technique, and, uh, you know, I, I've taken some of their experiences um, and their feedbacks um, from watching, from watching them, and them helping me out. You know, I, I try to blend it in with my own game, and uh, you know, I, I think the outcome is, you know, the way I'm playing today. You know, it's because of the, their help. How difficult was it to decide to come back and not test the NFL? Um, you know, we, I talked about it. You know, uh, with my my mom, my family, and my coaches. But um, you know, at the end of the day. Um, I thought it was the best for, for me to come back. Um, just knowing that, you know, if I came back and um, had a little bit better season and then improve in areas where I needed to be, um, I knew that they could help my stock go up. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the, the main reasons why I came back is, uh, you know, try to try to get my stock improve going. Yeah. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, finish what we started last year. Mm-hmm. So you've been on some good teams here. And this team looks like it has a chance to be better. You still got to do it, but it looks like it's trending that way. Can you put your finger on one or two things that are better this year than last year where the club's really improved? Um, I think I'll say uh, just the way that, that we stick together. Um, you know, um, after the SC game, you know, most guys, you know, tend to put their heads down. But, you know, we, we came back. Um, that following week, um, you know, stopped up, you know, didn't didn't really care about it. You know, the game was already over, and uh, we came out and you know we we took it on Washington State, and um, you know it, 
if you watch the game, you can tell, you know, uh, everybody wanted to play, um, well, was was angry with the loss, so we took it out on them, you know, and uh, a lot of guys redeemed themselves in that game. And, uh, you know, last game, some of the guys did the same thing. So, you know, it's, I think just this year, um, just sticking together uh, through the tough times and, you know, just bouncing back. So it's clear that, you know, you, you took it out on Washington State after getting beat by SC. I mean, that was obvious. So how about going back to ASU? Because their offense really had their way with your defense last year. I'm sure you know it as well as anybody. How about that same type of feeling? You speak about redeeming yourselves against Washington State. How about redeeming yourselves against Arizona State for the last loss last year in Tempe? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, you know, watching film from last year, you know, um, it was bitter to watch it. Um, but, you know, I'm thankful, you know, that, you know, I'm back here again. Um, same situation, you know, uh, really good team that we're going to go against. Um, but, you know, just with the, the guys that all came back last year, they, they all know the feeling from last year's game. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I expect... Uh, our defense to step up big time uh, this year. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, to, to step up big time this game, um, and uh, you know, try to try to you know take them down this week. You know, the depth of this line has been really good for a long time. And I'm curious, when you got recruited, some players really look at playing time and might see a deep group and think there's not going to be playing time. I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Did that depth attract you? Did it worry you a little bit? How did you look at it? No, I didn't really uh, pay attention to the depth my freshman year. Uh, just knowing how talented the, the older guys were. Um, I, I look at my freshman year as my learning year. Um, learn a lot from them, just watching them throughout the, the, the season, the, the way they play. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really care for much during the, you know, my freshman year with, with the, the depth chart, just more learning. So it's clear your stock has improved. And after this season, you know, when the draft comes around in April, your name is going to be called. So with that in mind, once you become rich, what's the first thing you're going to buy? Um... Not sure. It's, it's up to my mom. <laughs> so you yeah. get her something? Yeah, yeah. Whatever my mom wants, uh, you know. She's, Trip to Hawaii. <laughs> if that's what she wants, you know, she'll she'll get it. Okay. Why you say that though? Obviously, that must mean something to you to want to reward her for whatever she's done for you. Why is that? Um, yeah, just what you said. You know, um, it's my reward to her. Uh, you know, playing football and hopefully, you know, trying to make it to the next level. Um, and if that does happen, you know, this my way of paying her back for everything that she's done for my siblings and I. What kind of sacrifices were she, was she making? Um, way too many. To, uh, way too many to uh, to say. You know, we, I think, or no, I think, I know that we're the reason why she has gray hair, you know, uh, all the stress and everything that she's been through. I know, I know, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, just just the way that she she raised us, you know, um, we we had some tough losses uh, in the beginning of our years, uh, and especially moving out here, um, didn't have much, didn't start with a lot while moving out here, and uh, you know, she she and my my uh, my uncle did a lot. Where'd you come from? Uh, from Oakland, California. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't have much there. Moved here, didn't have much, you know, and started to build our name. 
um, with football, you know, and, you know, the, the rest is history. Cool. All right, well, good luck with the NFL and good luck with Arizona State. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. That was Lecky Fotu, the defensive end for the University of Utah with DJ and I earlier this week. Humble guy, man. You like to see guys succeed doing the right thing, trying to make a name for themselves. I think he's going to make a name for himself tomorrow against the Sun Devils. And, uh, man, we're talking about this this whole week. The line is now over 14. Vegas thinking it's basically going to be a blowout. I think that plays – ASU loves to play the role of the underdog. And I think they're going to try to do that again tomorrow at Rice-Eccles. I don't think they're going to succeed in winning the ball game, but I think they can make it close. The style that the Sun Devils use as far as run the ball, Eno Benjamin. Run the ball with Eno Benjamin. Uh, short passes don't make mistakes the great thing about it Sun Devils and obviously everybody knows I'm a Sun Devil fan you can't say man we really gave them the game that's not really the case with ASU they don't beat themselves they will not lose the game Utah will win the game so the style that Herm Edwards uses with the professional style, you know, they were on HBO this past week. They did like a hard knocks and reading. I didn't see it. I don't have HBO. I want to get a copy of it because I heard it was really good. But Herm Edwards is the head coach. And one of the media guys I saw on Twitter was saying, well, it's clear that Herm Edwards is coach 1A and coach 1B is Marvin Lewis, the Cincinnati Bengals longtime coach. He obviously has a huge NFL background, an extensive NFL background. And what my point of all this is the way that they play is they don't go crazy on offense. And they try not to make mistakes. So the Utes are going to have to be mistakes-free themselves. And by and large, this season they have been. So I suspect the game will be a little closer, although the Utes will be in command. And they're a better team. The senior leadership and the senior talent of this team allows them to be better this year. We'll see about next year and the subsequent years. Devils are a program on the rise for sure, and the Utes are a program in its prime right now. They're going to have to reload next year, but that's next year. And tomorrow is a huge game. All right, got to do some jazz too. Coming up next, and talk to Craig Bullerjack. Obviously, does the broadcast on the television. Talk some jazz as they get ready for their season opener Wednesday. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in just after 6.30 on this Friday morning. Great time of year, convergence of a lot of major sports going on in our country, in our community. Big football weekend ahead. So excited for that. Jazz starting up next week. Jazz struggling in the preseason, losing all their games to NBA teams, just beating that team from Australia that they bring over to take the beating. Defense an issue. Players, Bogdanovich not being able to hit a shot. What does it all mean? What's your interpretation of it? Well, Ben Anderson, who was sitting in for uh, DJ, you can read his stuff at kslsports.com, had an opportunity to talk to myself included, talking to Craig Bowlerjack. He'll refer to the game the prior night, which was on Wednesday. Get his thoughts on the Jazz. Craig Bowlerjack, right now. 
Coming to us on the Sprint special guest line is Craig Bowajag. You can get $100 off a redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Craig, I'm sure you know Ben Anderson. He's sitting in for DJ. Good morning. How the heck are you? PK, Ben, how are you guys? Uh, ben, welcome uh, to 1280, man. And you got to get the breaking in with PK. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Baptism by fire. Oh, my goodness. I was telling Ben way back when, when we started 1280, it was um, the Inverness doing the afternoon and then you and Gordon right. doing the drive time show. And we started it the week of BYU-Utah 2001, and then a week into it, then Gordon had the unfortunate situation his father passed, and so obviously he was busy with that, and so I was plucked off the street, and I did a, <laughs> I did a bunch of shows with you that, yeah. I mean, that Monday after BYU-Utah in 2001, it was me and you, because yeah. uh, Gordon had to attend to his family situation there. And so you all, you and know, and I had to get, I was, uh, I was, you know, baptism by fire as well with PK. Yeah, so we go. have something in common there, pal. Yeah. And then yeah. a few months later, we launched the morning show and here we are in 2019. Are. <laughs> it's amazing, man. What a, and what a fun time at that. We were, I think if, weren't we like, uh, in a conference room? Oh yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It we wasn't even a studio. We were in a conference room with yeah. headsets and we never even saw our, our producer. Right. He was in another room down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's that was the original launching of uh, 1280 The Zone back in late 2001, early 2002. And here we are all this time and moved stations and now back. And as uh, I was talking to Ben Anderson in the break, never burn bridges, man, because you don't know what's going to be ahead. And Ben, you never yeah. know what's happening, man. No. It's, uh, and I tell you, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, this, you got, the, the, the station changed hands. Uh, and then Gordon came back over. Uh, it's yeah. amazing things uh, in 18 years. It really is amazing. Right. And so now we've got the preseason done. Ben and I have been d- dissecting the jazz. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we listen, we watch, uh, and we hear what guys say. And uh, just uh, what is your interpretation, maybe, is the best word of the preseason? Because I don't think that's, you know, an evaluation, because there's really no point in evaluating the preseason because it doesn't really mean much. But maybe the interpretation of it and what you saw that can lead into when the games start to count. Well, PK, I tell you a couple things because that's a, that's an interesting word to use to interpret. Uh, interpret. Uh, I think that first and foremost, what I I got from it was the anticipation of this preseason. I think you guys will agree was as high as it's ever been. And when you bring a Mike Conley uh, aboard uh, and a Boyan Bogdanovich to just to start, it really brought the level of expectations. Another key word, I think, uh, for this for this ball club. So. For the fan base, I think it's natural to think that you know you're going to run the table in a preseason because of just the talent level that you brought in Jeff Green, Ed Davis, Emmanuel Mudiay, uh, and then the others that you already had with Donovan and, and a defensive player of the year not once but twice and Gobert and a Joe Ingles and a Royce O'Neal who has uh, proven he's NBA worthy and maybe even a starter in this league. So I think you start there with expectations, and then now you get the realization that it does take time for new faces 
and new styles of play to actually blend together. And the, the so-called panic of some fans and the inability to play some defense at times during this preseason is, is the discussion points now. And how long will it take? Uh, you know, talking to Quinn last night, PK and Ben, I, I thought he still had a pretty good grip on the fact that, you know, it is going to take time. He's a head coach in this league and has been around a long time as an assistant college and it does take time to blend, and that's I think that's where they're at. I did see some positives last night, didn't you guys, a little bit? I mean, I know the, the defense allowed 58% shooting. Sacramento shut the ball extremely well uh, on Monday night, and so that's where the the, the, uh, the concerns are, uh, open shots and, and makes. you got to give credit to the Kings and also, I uh, thought last night to Portland, just the way those guys were able to shoot the ball and, and make buckets. The Jazz have had struggles, man, from the floor and from the three-point line. And that's uh, been a real concern as well. But, again, it's preseason, and you have to kind of put it in perspective. Now, 10 games into the regular season, you know, we get back to this discussion and some of these things, some things are occurring. Uh, then you start to kind of, you know, maybe put a, a little bit of a concern on things. But the Jazz did start slow last year with a team, by the way, that knew each other very well from the year before. And it just seems like uh, that's something that in Quinn's defense, which is, very complicated to run. It takes time to, to kind of get things into, into full motion. Craig, I think along those lines, if the Jazz, I don't want to say have a slow start, but maybe aren't meeting expectations through December, does that yeah. feel different this year than it will last year because of those high expectations in the offseason, or, or do you yeah, think it's built I, I in? I think so, Ben. I, I do. I, I think, again, uh, the, the uh, and you know what, this goes beyond Salt Lake City's expectations. This is on a national level uh, as well. When you start to read uh, the the top two, uh, maybe winning the West, uh, battling the Clippers uh, for Western dominance, uh, and you know the alleged you know pro pro help me out PK pro 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 quo uh, no, the, the, pro quid pro quo no no pro quo uh, but <laughs> the, the ones that they go out and you know are professional and in the sense of on the national level prognosticators who, uh, who go out and, and and say that they are the Jazz will do this and people read that. And I was going to say procrastinators, but that's not prognosticators. The word. So, prognosticators. My gosh, it's early. But yes, <laughs> for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's where you know a lot of this starts to, to stem from is the excitement, not only locally but at the national level. And they they put the Jazz into such the elite the elite group, and it's been such a long time that the Jazz have gotten that type of uh, respect, uh, notoriety around uh, the national writers and broadcasters. So. That put, Ben, to your answer, I think that puts more pressure. Look, maybe that's part of the issue, too. The Jazz, look, they say they don't read papers. They don't look. Sure they do. Look, they, they, they're on social media. They're on their phones. They know what's going on. And so maybe a little bit of this in the preseason, too, has been the pressure of those expectations. And I thought Bogdanovich pressured last night quite a bit, to be honest. A lot of his shots you know, were uh, strong and, and beyond the uh, the three uh, you know beyond the three point line, but you know hit iron you know in the back of the or the back of the rim. So, you know that that could be a uh, playing a factor in as well because uh, look, they understand the expectations of this team, and you know many of them spoke to it. Many of them came here because of Donovan and and then Conley's uh, 
the trade with Conley, I think, uh, made Bogdanovich's decision to leave Indiana uh, a point of emphasis. And Moutier wanted to get better and was basically recruited to come here and back up you know, uh, Mike Conley. So, yeah, I think a lot of expectations play into this as well. Greg Bolajak joining us. Uh, I'm wondering what uh, Harpering has to say about it in your conversations. And I mean, I listened to the game, but I'm talking about some conversations you had off the air because he came in as a free agent and had to fit in into yeah. this system. So he's been there. Uh, what, yeah, he's, he, what is he saying? He, yeah, you know, he he uh, he does have an interesting look at it. We talked before the game last night, and you know that was his first game. He's you know he's raising five kids in Atlanta, and uh, he's watched every game and. You know, been uh, been in tune with what's going on, but uh, he does see it. PK, interesting uh, question. He sees it differently because he knows what it takes to come in and figure things out, and it's not as quick as people think. Even though you're a veteran of Conley's status and Bogdanovich's uh, and Ed Davis and of course Jeff Green, who's had a pretty good preseason, uh, you can have personal and individual accomplishments and look really good on your own but as a team it takes more time and I thought you know Matt and I discussed that last night and he, he he's not panicking he's in the same I think mode of you know 20 games in 15 games in you start to kind of then see what what a team begins to become and that is team t-e-a-m and that's a very important word the Jazz have been very team-like, you know, with the Rubios and the Donovans and the Faves, uh, the Crowders of late. But, you know, things change in this league. In fact, one thing I think that he made a good comment about last night when we spoke is that, remember, the rest of the West is going through many of these same changes because of what Golden State, the injuries to KD, his departure, Clay Thompson, his ACL in the, in the, in the playoffs, and the fact that everyone thought the door went, the door opened, and so everyone jumped in and made a lot of changes. So did the Blazers, by the way. You know, the constant there is that incredible backcourt that was unstoppable again last night with Lillard and McCollum. But most teams in the West made a lot of changes, and I think a lot of other teams are going will go through the same process as the Jazz as well. I got the sense after the game last night, even though it took Quinn about thirty minutes to come and talk to the media, I thought, okay, maybe we're going to get some fireworks. He's done it each of the last two games, and then he's come out and he's been calm and he's been collected. I don't get the impression, even though he understands that the team is facing adversity and has some urgency, I don't get the the impression that he's panicked either. Well, you know, a coach can't panic with a young, well, well, not a young team, a team that still has work to do. And I, I, I think there's, he's pretty good then, as you've watched him over the years. You know, he'll, he'll use his fire and brimstone on just a few occasions during the course of a year to get his point across. Other times, I think he's a coach that understands each personality of his players, and I, I think he's probably in, in step with the way that they uh, are right now, and it's preseason, and let's not get too, um, you know, we can't go one way to left or right. Let's try to stay in the middle of this and continue to work. That's kind of the M.O. of, of Quinn. He's a, he's a coach. He told me last night he's excited that these players came here to be coached. And his, his system, and we're privy to being there, guys, on, on a daily basis to in practice and shoot-arounds. A lot of broadcast teams aren't in the NBA. I don't know if fans know that. But to watch him and to understand his coaching style, it's very, very unique. 
it's it's a very interesting style and it's about angles it, it's about he, he he's a perfectionist pk uh, as you know on on where to stand and, and the angles and that. and it takes time i think for even conley as good as he is to adjust to what quinn snyder demands and understand his verbiage and language uh, the channels and the the blacks and whites and the all the things he calls out uh when he's wanting his defense to make adjustments and changes uh so that has to be a part of this equation as well and fans may be saying hey look man bowler Ben and PK, these guys are pros. They should be able to adjust. Look, it's a little different sometimes in this particular case, but I don't think you can panic. Uh, I think you can be concerned, and you hope that the guys make big jumps. But uh, may I say something else, too? Matt told me last night on the air, and you may have heard this, and I, I kind of marvel at this sometimes because when you're a competitor and a pro, you think that you're going to go out and bust tail every night, right? But in this case, preseason is a different feel than what the regular season brings. And is it a switch you turn on? They, they also say playoffs is another level that you go to. So, you know, are the Jazz just in this kind of learning mode? And then when the, when the regular season hits, uh, they take it more serious. Matt said, yeah, they do. The, the preseason sometimes gets a little bit boring, uh, a little bit monotonous. Uh, and you realize the games don't mean anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, when eight, the first of 82 hit, you, you realize it's time to play basketball. I don't know if the Jazz are there because of the veterans that they brought in, that they, they feel that way, but we'll find out uh, next Wednesday night when they play OKC if that switch is flipped and goes to another level. How much do you think they're going to use this practice time to de- determine a starting lineup? And then obviously once you have that, uh, a bench rotation, or do you think that that's uh, settled already? I think what we saw last night may be what we see. Uh, there may be a few more tweaks. I think, um, you know, through conversation that the time has come also to protect Joe Ingles in the minutes he plays uh, because of just the years he's played uh, in this league, well, overseas and in this league, and how important he's been for the Jazz. Uh, I think you may see Royce O'Neal as a starter. I don't know. That's not in stone by any by any stretch of the imagination. I think what you saw, PK, last night, the finishing group that included Joe Ingles is the one that I think Quinn really wanted to see last night until he brought the young players in, who did, who busted some tail last night. I was impressed with the way the, the younger players took advantage of the situation and played hard against their second unit, mind you. But getting back to your question, I think what we saw last night may be what Quinn is getting very close to. Uh, to using and using the defense and maybe the quickness of Royce O'Neal. The other thing, too, about what we saw last year, I think Quinn Snyder's not afraid now to use different combinations on different players and different schemes. So maybe the starting lineup 90% of the time will be as we, we see. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see Joe sneak in as a starter once in a while. Uh, Jeff Green jumps in also. Uh, at the at the four spot, uh, I, one thing about what the Jazz have done too is they're all interchangeable parts except for Gobert and Tony Bradley. Those guys are fives. The rest of this team can do a lot of things, and even Joe can play the one. We've seen that multiple times, the two, the three. So I mean, I think all these guys have interchangeable parts, and Quinn has a lot of different ways to use these players as this season begins to to unfold.
There it is, Craig Bolajak joining us. Craig, the next time we speak on the air, the season will be underway. How about that? Game one under our belt, yeah. uh, Chris Paul and the Thunder. We'll have a plenty to talk about. And you know what? We'll say, did the switch get popped? Yeah. Did the switch get flipped? Or are the Jazz still in a, a work in progress? You have to hope that they get off to a great start. And one thing, too, PK and Ben, uh, the, this schedule bodes, I think, a little better. Uh, for the Jazz, last year was road heavy. There's a lot more balance here, and I think that may you know play a factor too on the way this uh, this team uh, you know gets underway next uh, this coming this next week. So we'll see five games in seven nights. You get a lot of work in, by the way, to start the season, and we'll get a real good feel of where they are after uh, the first five. All right, Mr. Bullajack, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, PK Ben, take care. Have a good one. There you go. That was Craig Bullajack. Thanks to Ben Anderson sitting in. You read his stuff at kslsports.com. Coming up next, what's trending? And then after that, DJ and I, we go in-depth with Utah defensive back, future NFL defensive back for sure, Jalen Johnson. Stay with us. 7 o'clock hour It's coming up, 8 o'clock hour. We're at Hyundai, uh, Murdoch Hyundai. 4646 South State Street, 8 o'clock hour. Frank Dolce is going to be with me, and we're going to talk football for sure. Just about the whole three hours that remain in the show. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.